Unicorn, a person or thing that is highly valued. Experience, an occurrence or event that leaves an impression on you. Everyone has a story that is unique to them. Get ready to look into the soul of someone through their eyes. Get ready for the unicorn experience. Hi guys, how you doing? Welcome to the second episode of the Unicorn Experience. Um, I'm starting to find out as I go along here, there's more things I want to add. I usually have about a week, I've about five days between episodes to think how I want to do things. And you know, life's about change and evolving. So <clears throat> I have post-nasal drip, I'm sorry. It's something you guys are going to have to deal with. But um, as the show goes on, I think there's going to be a few more things I wanted to add on. And uh, one of the things I'm going to add on is uh, what have I been doing section. So this is it, guys. This is what I've been doing since the last time we talked. Um, forgive my dog. He's annoying. Anyways, so like I told you last time, I'm, I'm, I am in pest control. And uh, I've been a technician for a while, since 2006. And um, recently I got the opportunity to become a inspector. Um, so what that involves is uh, I need to get my branch tree license, which means I'll be able to do termite ID. Because even though I could literally identify one, I can't legally identify one. So I'll be able to do that. <laughs> then I'll be able to... Um, I know I, I kind of like we know to do general inspections, road inspections. So I'll be able to make bids. So what I'll be able to do is work less and get paid more. That's going to be awesome. So that's what I've been doing. Um, also, uh, I've, I've been working out. I, <clears throat> I was doing a lot of uh, resistance training um, using calisthenics. I was heavy growing up and always wanted to always wanted to get better at pull-ups and those kind of things so I was working on calisthenics for the last couple of years um you know I did intermittent fasting all those kind of things and <clears throat> it's been up and down you know once a fat kid always a fat kid so you know I got a little you know you can't really notice it in clothes you know but yeah I got a little dad bought if I take my shirt off so trying to make sure I get that under check as I'm drinking a Pacifico which is my favorite beer. Um, had a bottle when I went to Sandy, Santa Barbara, and now I'm hooked. So here's to you, Pacifico. Ah, good stuff. So <clears throat> that's it so much for a recap of my week. Um, today's episode is called, I Thought I Killed Him. <clears throat> so this was about 2013 I uh, I had stopped being a bouncer for the nightclubs in uh, downtown Sacramento growing up the way I did my idols were always Bruce Lee um not really Chuck Norris when I was younger, but the American Ninja movies, those kinds of things. As I got older, Chuck Norris got thrown in the roster. You had Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. Um, 
Here's your classic tough guys of the 80s. So kids like me, born around 79, growing up through the 80s, we wanted to be tough guys, unless you were, you know, another type of guy, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Most of your standard boys played with G.I. Joes and wanted to be tough guys, but that was me. So as I grew up, you know, my, my dad was a martial instructor, so I wanted to be that, but never had the money to train in a school. So, you know, I do what every kid back then did in the 80s. We knew karate. We watched a movie, practice kicks, watch blood sport, you know, start doing the splits. And you kind of self-taught yourself, you know, out of books and in your backyard. So that's what I did. <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I, I got really good. I used really good legitimate source material. Bill Superfoot Wallace, uh, was it uh, stretch, dynamic stretching and kicking method? Um, my dad had a Masoyama Okinawan karate book, and you know I wasn't doing the push-ups, but I get the techniques down, and I buy inside kung fu and look at some of the Muay Thai moves. Um, re I recently learned <laughs> there's no substitute for training in a in, in a school, which I have done before. I trained in the Wing Chun school and a Krav Maga school, and a boxing gym. Um, and I did get some sparring out there, but, um, I'm sorry guys, this show's raw. I just burped. I'm drinking beer, talking to you unscripted. This show, whole show's unscripted, by the way. I just plan it out and I don't know. I figured I'd rather do it that way. That, that way my talking to you is fully organic. And like I said, I hope you enjoy the show. I enjoy talking to you, whoever you are. So <clears throat> back to what I was talking about. So. I wanted to be this martial art master, so being out of the schools, and I would test, you know, all the techniques I had on my friends growing up. Some of them knew martial arts, some of them didn't. Um, but as I got you know, older and I started working out, got more flexible, got faster, I was actually able to 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 kind of develop my own style. Now it's not a style like name. It's not something I'd say, oh. I, I'm a martial arts master. I, I, I created shadow jitsu. <laughs> none, none of that stuff. Um, it was just a system that worked for me, you know, for my height, for my belt. So um, I started going to the schools. The first school I went to was a Kempo school around here. And the, my floor work was good. I never got to spar with anybody. I was always that kind of guy. I don't know if I have OCD or not OCD. I don't know if I have ADD or something, but I was that kind of guy who would pick something up and drop it, pick something up, drop it, pick something to drop it. So I was kind of a jack of all trades and a master of none. Kind of sucks. But I don't, I don't think that statement's correct. I think you can be a jack of all trades and a master of being a jack of all trades. That's what I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I think. So, um, recently, um, I haven't sparred in a gym since 2013. And uh, long story short, I uh, I recently I have, I have a buddy of mine. He was a trainee of mine when I was you know I'm a pest control trainer, technician trainer right now. I had a buddy of mine who trained under me. And he was a he's done some amateur MMA fights, no Muay Thai fights, sorry. And he's pretty decent. He's pretty good. Um, I went to a gym recently and uh, trained with him. I'm out of shape, guys. I don't look out of shape. I work out, but. Um, martial arts conditioning is a lot different and I, I was super conditioned before and I was able to outlast a lot of the guys I sparred but this time around I haven't been doing enough cardio so I tried I burnt myself out you know hitting reps on the bag and I sparred one guy um, I, I tried a little 
<clears throat> he was a Taekwondo fighter. So he was throwing like a, a, a lead left jab at me and he would always drop his left hand. So I saw an opening and I was like, okay, you know, let me parry his hand down. So I parried his hand down, I was able to sneak a punch in. You know, I didn't hit him hard. We were just, you know, we were, we were called flow sparring. So I was able to, you know, I kind of tapped his nose a little. Didn't even hurt, a lot of control. And then he threw a left side kick. I jammed it, I lifted up my knee and jammed it. But when he put his foot down, I. I uh, threw a front kick for it, you know, kind of a jam kick, and he backed up and I actually, you know, kicked him in, in, in his balls, and uh, he he got hurt. I felt really bad, um, but that was the end of my my, my uh, that was the end of my <laughs> gym session. You know, I had no one else to spar. I was really disappointed in myself. So we sat there and talked, and my life flashed before my eyes. I was like, I suck. I'm no good. I'm burnt out. All those things came through my eyes. And uh, I guess the real revelation, guys, is I think I'm done with martial arts. I'm off to move on to a new stage in my life. Um, but to inaugurate my revelation, um, I'm still a work off fanatic, always going to work off. I'm done with martial arts. i got so many other things to do. Martial arts is great. More power to the guys that can do it. Um, not me. I'm 43 years old, and I'm happy with what I know. And I know enough to defend myself. I keep myself in shape. I've simplified my system to take care of my family. Um... Let's just say um, I don't box people anymore. <laughs> so off to the episode I nearly killed him. This is to inaugurate <clears throat> my uh, exit of my diluted martial art career. Take a sip from my Pacifico. So enter 2013. I, um, no me Yeah, 2013. So, <clears throat> I had just stopped working at my job at the, the two bars I worked at. I worked at two bars downtown here in Sacramento. One was a, a, a nice, awesome late night spot called Inc. You know, from from Friday to Saturday, it would stay open until 3. Um, I worked the door there. It's more like a restaurant. It had a real rock and roll feel. The head sponsor, the cooler there real awesome guy he had a tattoos on his face he was a handsome guy actually really nice looking guy had an interesting look look like a video game character me i'm clean cut you know i'm i'm uh of mixed ethnicity i'm a uh, filipino and black um my mom is makes me a quarter so um but you know that that bar was a mix of really radical looking people and everyone had their own flair you know and I had my, brought my own to the table, but so I just got done working at those bars. And the other one was a jazz bar called Shady Lady. Um, I'm a low drama kind of guy. I don't like looking for fights, which is funny and being in the careers I've been in. So anyways, to make a long story short, which I'll get into another time, I, I stopped working at both places. Um, and I ended up applying at this uh, security outfit. Um, that is no longer open. It is. It has been since been absorbed by one another outfit that absorbed by another outfit. <clears throat> so I turned my resume in, and I think I had bouncing on there. So when I went on my interview, they they uh, saw it and they said, "Hey, you would be perfect for." I wanted to just be a uniformed guard. I wanted to stand at a post, low drama, 
good pay. I, I didn't want to do anything. But they um, they said you'd be perfect for <clears throat> loss prevention. They said, do you know what that is? I said, I, I kind of got an idea. So they explained it to me that I'd be wearing regular clothes and secret shopping. You know, I'd be with experienced agents who would show me how to blend in, um, how to uh, catch criminals, you know, correctly, like thieves. And um, explain to me how dangerous it was. So it's, it's not like security where... Or even bouncing at a bar where you're dealing with intoxicated people that are there to have a good time. When people come into a store to shoplift, you're literally dealing with someone with a criminal past, um, a criminal mind. Um, you're literally inserting yourself in a criminal element. And what I quickly learned is while they were teaching me to spot a shoplifter, the shoplifters they were teaching me to spot were experienced in spotting us. So different neighborhoods, you know, some are more ghetto. Some you had, you know, had the guys with the sagging pants and do-rags and big t-shirts. Some had more upscale looks, you know. And what worked for me was actually blending in with every neighborhood. I think I worked with everyone's but Some guys had a fixed look. I started with a fixed look, but started to become flexible later because I realized every neighborhood had a different look. So <clears throat> I remember I worked with a few agents and being that I don't cuss, being that I don't scream, I'm not this chest bumping guy. I'm not a big guy either. I, like I said, I work out, I have more of a toned look, you know, than, than a giant muscular look, right? So I had this big black guy I worked with. He was horrible. He was just ex. He worked at, he went to the school. There's a, there's a high school in Sacramento, South Sac, it's called Luther Burbank. And back in the 90s, they called it Luther Blood Bank because there were gangs and fights there. And uh, he went there. Um, I don't like the guy. He's a jerk. I don't, if he's listen, if he ever listens to this, that's all right. He doesn't like me either. So now he knows how I feel. Ha ha ha! He always used to kind of look at me like, "Hey, do you pump iron?" Or, "Man, you got to do this." Or he'd always say stuff because I always make sure my hair's fixed. I got a real clean, crisp look. Is the best way to put it. And I'm kind of artsy too, so kind of eclectic. So. He didn't think I was masculine looking enough. Um, I'm the closest darn thing to masculine, guys. I'll let you know that right now. Um, very classic, traditional male. Um, so he'd say all this stuff, and I'd kind of deal with it. I mean, he was a big dude. I ain't going to lie. I wouldn't want to go toe-to-toe with him, but I I'll be honest with you, if I, if I had to, I, I probably could. Um, but I like to avoid fights. I don't, I don't want to possibly get beat up or get put in a situation where I might get hurt so you know the first way to defend yourself is to either a learn how to use your mouth to defend yourself use your use your your, your speaking ability or, or b not be there right so that's the philosophy I go by um and then I worked with this other guy it was a uh, this big black guy's partner he was this little pip squeak he he reminded me of that little squeaky guy that died in uh the Book of Boba Fett. He was uh, that little, ugly little creature that sat on Jabba the Hutt's shoulder. It was always like, you know. So then he was this little white dude. He, he became, I don't know how he became a cop. And I'd probably laugh at him if he stopped me, you know, for a traffic stop. But anyways, I work with this guy. He's like 134 pounds dripping wet with weights in his pocket. He was like five foot five, five foot six. Um, he basically sat on this big black guy's shoulder and they you know they, they they worked as a team you know um 
I guess they imagined themselves a Crockett in tubs or or pork and beans or Arm and Hammer. They were they were one of the the, the, the tag teams, you know. And um, I guess they fashioned themselves that. So they'd walk around with egos and so you know while they were busy cussing guys out and chasing them down, I was. I was the kind of guy that would get in front of you and say, hey, sir, you're going to need to come with us. You know, then I'd sit him in the back. You know, eight times out of ten, I could get him back there. And I'd talk to him. After I was done with interviewing people like that, they literally would pull me inside and say, wow, Jordan, what's wrong with you? You know, you, you can't be nice to people like that. You, you can't do this. You can't do that. They would be cussing these guys and these girls out. And uh, it wasn't good cop, good cop, bad cop. I'm a good cop, guys. This is how it is. So, I'd end up talking to these people. and they, Whether they told me the truth or not, they ended up spilling whatever beans they had in their can. And I got their information and they left. I, I think at the end of the day, getting the job done in the safe way, safest way possible is the way to get it done. Um, so, anyways, they started spreading this rumor <clears throat> that they were worried I wouldn't have their back and that I was this you know, non-confrontational guy, and they said, oh my goodness, you know, be careful working around Jordan, he's a, he's a liability, he's, he's not uh, a credit to us, so, um, I don't remember, something flipped in me one day, I was, uh, I was working with Pipsqueak, we're gonna call him Pipsqueak, that little white guy, I was working with Pipsqueak, and, um, we were at, oh, Safeway on R19. It's a, it's a popular Safeway in downtown Sacramento. It was 1130 at night, and Pip Squeak had a big mouth. He could squeak really loud. So we, we would leave the, the, our, our assigned post by 12. So Pip Squeak decided, you know, we, there was this guy we saw walking. He was about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he wasn't thick, but he wasn't, he wasn't super skinny either he was just kind of average build he was obviously he looked transient but he wasn't homeless um so we see him walk in through one of the doors the, the produce doors so usually we can tell someone's gonna shoplift based on their clothing it was summertime um so it was kind of a warm spring maybe but he was wearing a leather jacket um he went in through produce we saw him you know conceal some limes he grabbed a rock star and then he goes to the liquor section so usually when people come in they go for commercial products liquor you know those kind of things very rarely will they steal produce you know he almost threw us off a little bit but he didn't so um me and pipsqueak are working together that night and uh we kind of like you so you kind of what you do is you kind of catty corner off each other so one guy picks another corner one guy picks another corner that is like um opposite corners opposite sides of the aisle and you're able to watch the guy one of you guys one of you guys are going to be able to see the guy conceal the product so we had our cell phones and pipsqueak calls me and says hey I, I got concealment um he's good to go he's a good stop so the reason that's a concern in loss prevention is because Worst case scenario is you're you're you know you're kind of hard up for stops that month. You don't really have a quota, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you guys. There's a stop quota, okay? So some guys will take a chance and stop people that don't have anything, and that's how you lose your job. That's how you can get a lawsuit, or at least the company can, okay? Then you lose your job. Well, so you almost you need to catch concealment to see it. So Pip Squeak, 
I'm watching the guy, the guy's looking around. I see him do the classic left, right, left, right. He turns towards Pipsqueak. He doesn't see Pipsqueak. So Pipsqueak sees him conceal the bottle in his jacket. So I get a green light from Pipsqueak. So <laughs> the way you catch somebody is you you kind of, you walk a distance out of sight um, diagonally. The reason why is because when they're walking out the grocery doors, they're all glass and they can see your reflection. If they catch your reflection directly behind them, um, they'll run, okay? But the, you got to time it to where your partner goes out the opposite door. So let's say the assailant goes out um, the deli doors. Your partner's going to run out produce doors, duck under the bricks, under the windows where you can't see them, and be waiting out the side of the window. Your job is to chase the prey into the net. Your partner's the net. I'm the predator. So that's how we're going to... You sandwich in between you, right? So... Um, he go. He ends up going outside the uh, produce doors because he this this guy's going out deli doors, and uh, I'm gonna call this guy Night Stalker. He kind of had a Richard Ramirez thing going on. So Night Stalker goes out the deli doors, and I'm going at him diagonally. So there's something we called silent running. They told me some story. I don't know how true it is. He said the Native Americans did it. It's probably a bunch of garbage, and they just did it. Probably some fancy story to tell me, but. There's a way to silent run, and uh, it really works. Um, I'll explain that another time. So he didn't hear me coming. I was going down diagonally. He saw me last minute, right when he was going out the doors. My partner, the was ready to go. So the door opens, my partner and I sandwich him. So he pushes past my partner. Like I said, my partner's 134 pounds, soaking wet, five foot five, five foot six. This guy's six four, six five, probably, He's in the 200 range, not heavy, maybe 205. So like I said, he's not thin, but he's not um, skinny and he's not fat. He's just well, the thinner, I guess on the thinner average side. So the guy walks past him and my partner stops and says, hey, you're gonna need to come back with us. You're gonna need to come back with us. I'm behind the guy and the guy doesn't know I'm there yet. Well, he does know, cause I he, he ran, tried to run out the door, but he's, he's focusing on my partner mostly because he's cussing him up so um I'm, I'm not gonna say the guy didn't know his area i don't think he paid me much mind is what it is so they're walking outside pipsqueak's cussing him out night stalker is telling him hey you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna come back after you guys leave i know you guys leave at midnight and get my bike so i was like well i, I better i better act you know I, I was getting tired of being talked about i was getting tired of being looked at as this liability you know so I, I put my hands up and I, I told Night Stalker, I said, hey, I said, listen, man, I said, just give us our bottle. I said, we're, you're right. You know, we're about to leave. Um, give us our bottle. I said, I don't want to fill out the paper. Just go. So Night Stalker turns around and says, you know, who are you? And he's cussing me out and everything. I said, listen, I said, give me my bottle. I said, and then you can go. I said, I don't care. I don't want to fill out the paperwork. He goes, I'm not giving you the bottle. I said, yes, you are. So he's so, I'm following him. The dude spins around and, and jumps at me like he's about to hit me. So when I was, when I did go to the schools, you know, at the Kempo school, one of the senseis there said, it's better to be um, judged by 12 than carried out by six. And then the other thing he would say, 
it's better to be four a four days behind bars than six feet under those are the things he used to say so he said when it comes to a case of self-defense you always hit first if you feel that your safety is threatened okay so I know there's the legal part of it, but there's also the lethal part of it. You don't want to be the guy on the defense. Um, the fact is, if you're defending, you're losing. That's just historically accurate. So he jumps at me. I hit him with a straight right. Um, his head flew back. I was a little surprised. <clears throat> and then I ran. I, I kept running at him because, you know, you, you once you hit somebody, you want to keep them on their heels, like leaning backwards so that they don't have time to lean forward because they got to put forward pressure to attack. So I hit him with a straight right. He starts falling backwards. <clears throat> I hit him with a left hook. His head flies to the left because I hit him. My left hook hits his right side of his face. And then I hit him with an uppercut, a right uppercut. So he's he's falling back. I ran in and I I I I. I I did a wrestler's you know, double leg tackle. So I double leg tackle him and uh, he falls to the ground. So from that point onward, I lay my body flat across his legs and I slide up his body and I'm able to gain full mount, which is a position they use. You know, if you're familiar, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, it's a position they use in MMA, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, those kind of arts. So I'm able to get full mount. And uh, the guy, he's, you know, he starts doing what I expected him to do. He starts trying to, to, to buck me off. So he starts pushing his hips up to buck me off. What I did was I squeezed my thighs together and really tied around his, his torso. He couldn't buck me off. So he does lift me forward. I use the momentum. So what happens is my hand does land by the side of his head. My left hand lands by the side of his right head. I use the momentum to drop forward and I, I land my elbow and forearm on his face. So that stops him from bucking me. So um, what happens is he turns his head to the right and tries to like zombie bite my wrist. So I pull my left hand back and I put my right hand on his chest and I, 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 I pop him in the face with my left because I pulled it back and just punched him in the face, you know, and I told him, stop. I said, you need to stop. You just need to come with us. He wasn't listening. So... He started grunting and growling and he had this real feral look in his eyes. And uh, I told him, I said, listen, I said, you need, you need to comply. You need to stop. I said, otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put your head into the concrete. So he kept trying to bite, shake and growl. So I grabbed the side of his hair and I didn't slam his head, but I pushed the back of his head into the concrete. And then I saw him, like, there was a look of realization as I was like, oh, shoot, this is this is really happening. So I, I, I did it a couple more times, and uh, he started kind of stopping. So I put my hand on his neck, you know, to try to, you know, I didn't want to put it on his throat. I put it right underneath. I was trying to put it on his off top of his chest to pin him down. But he had bucked me again, and my hand slid up to his neck. So... He was trying to bite me. He was doing all kinds of stuff, trying to scratch me. I kept my hand there. All of a sudden, I heard him going. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, <clears throat> um, I was yelling at my partner. You're going to ask my question. Hey, where'd Pipsqueak go? Well, this is how useless Big Mouth Pipsqueak was. He was standing there and I was yelling at Pipsqueak. Hey, cuff him. You got to cuff him. 
pipsqueak was like you got to get his arms behind his back so i actually tried i, I tried to get him in, in a in a in an, uh, an americana which is an arm, arm ball hurl to bring his arm behind his back um but then i realized i would have got him on a full mount so what i did is i just i let go of his neck and i push his arms up above his head so i'm holding him up above his head and uh pipsqueak starts trying to cuff him so um, the night stalker's down there he's still growling and stuff pipsqueak um drops a knee on his forehead and um I ended up holding him down. So I'm holding him down. My hand ends up, he ends up struggling again and my hands end up sliding back up to his neck. I was not purposely trying to strangle the guy. Um, but all of a sudden he looks at me. I see his eyes looking at me and then all of a sudden he goes. <sighs> so I see him take this deep breath and release all his air. And then all of a sudden he stopped moving. So the, the craziest thing about that part was it was kind of a warm night. But when he had did that, his head kind of fell to the left. His eyes were wide open. He wasn't breathing. Um, and he had like foam coming out of his mouth. So me and Pipsqueak, I was still sitting in full mount. Pipsqueak was standing by me. And uh, Pipsqueak says, is he? Is he? And I looked at Pipsqueak and I looked at Night Stalker on the ground, hoping he'd move. And I told Pipsqueak, I don't know. So Pipsqueak is looking at him. And I kept looking at him. And I said, uh, I, 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 I think I killed him. So I'm sitting there and my heart is racing. My life flashed before my eyes. Um, my wife was pregnant with my, my daughter. I didn't want to go to prison or jail. Um, so as I'm like, <laughs> see my life flash before my eyes and breaking out, I hear this. <gasps> to this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know if the guy had an epileptic seizure. I don't know what happened or if the wind got knocked out of him. He took a deep breath, started breathing. In the meantime, there's a uniformed guard there for monument and security. And he had been filming the whole thing. So long story short, um, he calls the cops, the cops come. I'm still sitting on the guy. The cops tell the guy, pretty much the cop shows up, tells the guy, um, don't you effing move. I'm not loss prevention and I'll light you up. So he tells the guy. So he says, get off him. So I get off him. Um, the guy starts telling the, the police officer he didn't do anything and that I just ass assaulted him. And um, Good thing the monument guard was there. He uh, he backed up our story. Um, I also told him, hey, take that recording off your video. Don't put that on Worldstar, okay? I don't want to see it. I said, I said this, wasn't, this isn't for show, bro. That's what I told him. He just looks at me, smiles. I don't know if he ever got rid of the video. But um, I'm sitting there and the cop processes the guy and throws him in the back seat so he the cop calls me over he says i want to show you something so i walk over there he shows me his uh he shows me his uh computer and says hey this guy you caught tonight has had priors he's done this before he's going away for a while he said so rest assured you'll be he said don't worry about this guy you won't see him for a while so 
I end up staying with the job. Okay, so first let me, before I get to that. So after that, the story changes. Pipsqueak and, uh, and um, the big black guy. We'll call him the big black guy. Pips, Pipsqueak and the big black guy. Their opinion changes on me, but you think it would be positive, but it doesn't. After I get into the, after we're able to get rid of the Night Stalker, I walk into the store and Pipsqueak is on the phone sitting at a Starbucks, closed Starbucks, because Safeways have them inside. And Pipsqueak calls Big Black Guy and says, you wouldn't believe what happened tonight. He says, we made the stop. It was this big guy. Um, I was telling him to stop. Um, anyways, he, you know, Jordan started telling him to stop and the guy lunged at Jordan and Jordan lit him up. He said, he said, dude, um, Jordan hit him so hard. I thought the guy's head was going to fly off. You know, I thought Jordan was going to kill him. So he had the call and speaker and I heard big black guy say, why'd he hit him? He goes, I don't know. So big black guy wants to talk to me on the phone. He's one of our supervisors. He goes, why'd you hit him? I said, because he lunged at me. He goes, you didn't have to hit him. I'm like, whatever. That's what I told him. So I was the guy to stay away from when I first started because they didn't feel safe with me. Very quickly, the story changed from Jordan was a liability to Jordan was dangerous to work with. They started saying, I don't want to work with Jordan. He's too violent. He, you know, he, he, he takes things too far. Um, and that wasn't the case. There's such a thing called ex escalation of force. You don't want to be at the you don't want to be the guy that got escalated on. You want to be the escalator. So they end up giving me remember I told you first episode my dad's nickname was Ricky Rick Karate. Um, Ricky Dosan. They ended up giving me a nickname at the loss prevention security company I was at. And you're never gonna believe it. They called me the karate kid. I guess that's what I shared at the top of this episode. The Karate Kid. You know what? I think I will. That's what's going to be. The Karate Kid. So, anyways, um, that's the end of the episode. I'll give you a, a epilogue here. Um, about, I end up leaving the job and over a year later, um, my wife, my daughter, and I are shopping. We're at a... Uh, uh, Trader Joe's here in Sacramento. So I'm walking around and I was telling her how nervous I'd been working at the job because I'm an easily recognizable guy. I, I'm not an average looking guy. My features are pretty distinct. So um, I'm easy to recognize. So I told her, I said, I was always worried about getting recognized with my family. So we're shopping that day and I had my flip-flops on, shorts and a t-shirt. And I was holding my daughter who was... Oof. not even a year old yet I'm walking through the frozen section I look left and there is the night stalker he didn't see me right away we're walking opposite directions towards each other through the frozen food section I look at my wife and I tell her babe grab the baby and go so I give her our daughter she starts walking I'm standing in the section walking slowly the night stalker's walking towards me slowly both of us look down and look at each other through the corner of our eyes and we stop for a little bit we're kind of stopping beside each other opposite ends of the aisle in the frozen section we keep eyeballing each other 
I see him turn towards the freezer and grab his food. I open up the freezer and pretend to grab mine. And I see him walk past me. And I walk past him. I go to line with my wife and we go. That's when I knew we'd be safe. So, thank you for joining me with the unicorn experience. Have a nice day. Thank you.